While God created the world, the morning stars sang together. After God delivered Israel through the Red Sea, Moses and Miriam led the people in singing. God destroyed Israel's enemies under King Jehoshaphat while the choir sang. When Jesus was born, the angels sang, and before going to the cross, he sang. God rejoices over us with singing, and one of the only things we know for certain that everyone will be doing in heaven is singing. At New St. Andrews College, we understand that music is not an elective. It is central to our being and identity. We endeavor to train all our students in a joyful and robust musical literacy that will help them shape culture in a Christ-like direction wherever they go. Additionally, we offer the Certificate of Music in conjunction with our bachelor's degree in liberal arts and culture for students who desire extra music training beyond the regular music courses they will take as a part of the core curriculum. In the certificate program, you won't simply appreciate music or listen to it or talk about it. You will do music. You will study it, analyze it, read it, write it, sing it, and play it. You will receive private instruction in your primary instrument as well as secondary lessons in voice, piano, conducting, and other instruments. You will receive a solid foundation in music theory and analysis. You will study music history, church music, and music pedagogy. And when you graduate, you will leave with the ability to sing, play, understand, and steward music in whatever church or community you plant yourself. I'm Dr. David Erb, and this is the Certificate of Music at New St. Andrews College. Beers and some Wednesday. We need it. No, no. We need it today. No, you're not going to do that. Why? You can't do that. I can't you have to for wait the whole for, show? No, no, no. For the song. We've never done that. We've, we always we do, do that. No, we always start off the show. With no, there's the a bear. rule for the show. Hey. Pastor Toby, you hey. got to come here. You got to come back. This is going to get ugly real quick. You, yeah, you don't have to. Oh, hey. I'm opening it. No, you got to play the song. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Cross Politics. You got to play the song. If we're going to do the thing, you can't. Beer or something. We'll get there. What I have to go through to keep tradition around here. This is tradition. No, out. you can't have the beer without the song. They go together, Gabe. <laughs> it's a tradition. Hey, y'all, welcome to Cross Politic. Pastor Toby is obviously not here. Chuck Knox. I'm the water boy. Don't interrupt Jesus the song. shall reign. Ah, cheers to the cheers. king. Cheers. Cheers to the king. Jesus shall reign. Oh, that's good. That's very good. All right. All right, we'll get there. We'll get there. Cross Politic is live in Wenatchee, um, is moving to a new location again. So this is the this is the third location <laughs> that we're at in Wenatchee, and I bet you guys can just imagine why we're at a different location. No, no, we now. can't actually. Yeah, why don't you tell a, us? There, this is apparently the Seventh Day Adventists don't want us borrowing their church. <laughs> Whatever. So, but we're at a new location. Afternoon talks begin at three o'clock. Okay, me and Toby have three and four o'clock talks, and we got a break, dinner break, and then the live show begins at seven thirty. And the new location is East Wenatchee First Baptist Church. Oh. The Baptists are taking us. We love Baptists. We do love they, our Baptists. They, East mm. Wenatchee First Baptist Church on 1700 Grand Road, East Wenatchee. Um, so um, East Wenatchee First Baptist Church. That's a new location. We'll tweet this out. We'll um, e- email it out. Uh, we're going to try to make sure as many people know that we're on our third location in Wenatchee this Friday. But we're looking forward to seeing everybody this Friday. Will there be an announcement tomorrow about the fact that we might be moving to a different location? <laughs> well, for the whole apparently, event? this is going to keep you tuned into our show all week. Mm. <laughs> mm. Are you going to do a plug? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, nah, see what it is. That, is was that, like, that was like perfect to like go mm-hmm. into the plug. I was like, well, usually know. I don't do plugs. I sit here and push buttons and do things over here on the switcher <laughs> because Pastor Toby's here and he does plugs. So I don't have to do this. But the question is, do you have a podcast or are you even thinking about mm-hmm. got to get my James White mode? Yeah. Are you even thinking about starting a podcast? Maybe your church has a podcast feed for sermons. A lot of them do. The dropwave.io is for you. That's what you need to do right now. Go to dropwave.io. Cancel culture is like walking on a thin glass bridge over the Grand Canyon. Dangerous. That was made by the flood, just for everybody, so you want to know. (laughs) Every step you take, you can get killed. I mean, canceled. Since the beginning, CrossPolitik has been working on being anti-fragile, so no matter what happens, our content can still be delivered to you, all of you. And our moms on your TV and on your podcast stream, however you decide to get it. This past year, the water boy and his friend Jeremy, like Jeremy, he's a good guy. Yeah, they've been working on building a podcast hosting solution for rowdy platforms like Cross Politic and the Fight Left Feast Network so that you can be confident that your podcast will never fall through the glass bridge and fall into the Grand Canyon. That was made by the flood. Dropway <laughs> offers seamless onboarding for shows that have been around for years. To easily make that transition and solution for you um, when you're starting your podcast or if you've been around for a very long time, Dropwave will track all of your show's downloads by city, state, country, everywhere. And it offers a network of enterprise packages for solutions like Fight, Laugh, Feast, the network that you're listening to now. Free, free to speak, free to podcast, free to start your journey right now at dropwave.io. If you don't have a podcast, start one. That's what everybody's doing anyway. And uh, use you, you, you did a good job with the read. It was a little long. It was a little long. You, 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 you know, were able to stretch so, it out. Some but, but, idiot wrote that just a little long. No, but, no. it was yeah, You added yeah, to just, it. You, you expanded anyways. I was trying to help. Uh, you know, November 8th, we've been talking about November 8th elections. We're actually going to be doing a live show November 8th, so tune in for that. It's going to be fantastic. we got all sorts of guests that will be tuning in on November 8th, November 8th, so make sure you're there. But um, the thing I like about this kind of, this season is that people have to debate each other. Well, they, tr- well, they should, they but sh- a lot of people aren't debating Because we don't have enough debates in our country. We just don't. Yeah, I, I, actually, we, we, we don't know how to anymore, we don't know. We don't even know how to debate. Um, so this time, last night, Marco Rubio and his Democratic challenger, Val Demings, uh, you know, had a little back and forth about the whole abortion thing, which I, I found kind of fantastic. Marco Rubio has been clear that he supports no exceptions, even in the cases of rape and incest. He said it time and time and time again. But what I can say to him, and I can say to Florida, we are not going back, Senator, no matter how obsessed you are with the woman's body and her right to choose, we are not going back to a time where women are treated like second-class citizens or like property. And I'll say it again, because obviously he didn't hear or he doesn't want to, I support a woman's right to an abortion up to the time of viability. So, will she, well, can you ask if she'll support a 24-week ban? Will you support a 24-week ban? Because you didn't support a 20-week ban. You didn't support... Up to the time of viability. Well, but when is that? That's the vague language they all give. And then they talk about the doctor and the family. Let me tell you who else is in that it's room, that abortion room. The government is in that room because Ooh. she brought them in there. She wants the taxpayer he to pay for that abortion. That's government involvement. Not just to pay for that abortion. But to pay for them all over the world. For a woman the and That's our extreme. girls. That's a radical. I believe at this point we're going to move on. I'm going to ask that you both allow me to move on sure. with this well, debate. We still didn't hear what limits she supports. 
Well, we know this up until viability, whenever we decide whatever that is. But that's not the thing that was really impressive to me. What was impressive to me has been that she said that men are obsessed, obsessed with With women's women's bodies. bodies. I wrote that down too. So Uh what's really been interesting, though, has been watching. She's right about that. There really is an obsession with women's bodies, but it's not from the people who she is trying to point to. There are men running around here dressing up like women. Putting prosthetics on to make themselves over exaggerated prosthetics on to make themselves look like women going to libraries and black facing women as men jumping about an obsession. Yeah, right. Talking about an obsession going into uh, and she's like, we're never going to go back because, you know, we're not going to be second class citizens. But yet you let these men who mock women in their in their looks and then join sports clubs. Yep. Right. And events and colleges yep. and say, oh, yeah, we can just put a dress on and compete with women. Yep. If that's not being treated like second class citizens, I don't know what is. Right. And she would support that kind of mess. Yep. And that's right. Matt first, mm-hmm. And <laughs> the only person ultimately that's being treated like a second class citizen, the woman that's being treated like a second class citizen is the one in the womb. Yeah, that's right. And so, yep. like, it's really interesting if she's worried about women being treated like second class citizens. She has a library. Yep. Pun intended. Right. Full of men treating women like second-class citizens, and she refuses to step up to them. Well, this is why Democrats need to be debated on this because all they do is speak their talking points. They don't want to have to defend anything about abortion. And then once Rubio goes on the offensive, she's on her heels. She can't answer it. What do you mean viability? Twenty twenty weeks, twenty-four weeks. She couldn't answer that question. And and that kind of uh, the thing I appreciate about what Rubio did was like he didn't deny. The exception thing, apparently, right. apparently, I hope, I hope he's against the exception thing. He didn't deny it, um, but he went on the offensive, and that's what we need to be doing on these debates. It's like, you know, what do you mean we're trying to we're obsessed with women's bodies? You're obsessed with murdering babies. Yeah, you're going twenty weeks. You're going twenty four weeks. You're obsessed with this 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 standard that just doesn't shake out well at all. Um, speaking of uh, abortion, um, Stacey Abrams was on MSNBC. Uh, obsessed still with abortion. She was asked, how uh, should we be dealing with the economy right now? And just listen to her answer. What could you do as governor to alleviate the concerns of Georgia voters about those livability, daily, hourly issues that they're confronted with? But let's be clear. Having children is why you're worried about your price for gas. It's why you're concerned about how much food costs. Oh, so women, this is not a reductive issue. You can't divorce being forced to carry an unwanted pregnancy from the economic realities of having a child. And so these are it's important for us to have both and conversations. We don't have the luxury of reducing it or separating them out. But we also have to talk about what a governor can do. A governor can address housing prices. A governor can address the cost of education. A governor can put money into the pockets of everyday hardworking Georgians instead of giving tax cuts to the wealthy. That's what I talk about on the trail, and that's what's resonating. But let's not pretend that women, half the population, especially those of childbearing age, they understand that having a child is absolutely an economic issue. It is only politicians who see it as simply another cultural conversation. It is a real biological and economic imperative conversation that women need to have. Only politicians see having a child as a cultural conversation? That's what mm-hmm. you just said. Mm-hmm. So this, the guy asked basically what do you do about the economy, and she says, well, abortion should be on the table is basically what she's arguing. Right. Un- unwanted pregnancies. Yeah. 
and a mother has to choose and a mother has to deal with the with the economy in a way that that um you know uh, men don't have to or the way yeah. that others don't have to and can't identify with uh, that's talk about a sep- obsession about women's bodies the democrats are obsessed with abortion so much that they think that that's part of the solution to our economic problems one of the things that god has designed in this world this is against the natural order of things is that the fruit of a husband and a wife uh the, one of the blessings that produces from that relationship are children yep and children we cannot. That's get, that's fruitful. Children are fruitful. That is, and a, then children become fruitful. Yeah. What she basically said is like, can you imagine a seed? A seed is not is a problem. Yeah. Seeds they they create problems. They're hard to manage. Could you imagine planting a vineyard right. and having all these seeds? Oh my goodness, you would have to reap. And go out here and harvest these grapes. Yeah. If you plant all these seeds of grapes, yeah. it'll be a nightmare. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's fruitfulness. We got to crush it. That's what she's saying. God has designed so that man and wife, husband and wife, when they come together, they have children. Those children help them cultivate the things that they produce. They, they help them. They mm-hmm. are not a burden. It is an, an, an investment that pays off time and time and time again and a blessing that gives back over right. and over and over again. And so when we're talking about if you want to commit suicide, if you want to Kurt Cobain yourself, mm-hmm. this is how you do it. Kill your children. You kill your children. Kill your children. Yep. This is how you don't get blessing. First Remember, all, Bonson said, if we have a downturn in the economy, if we have a deflationary period, the way to get out of that is more productivity. And you can't get around more productivity without children. People are the most valuable resource right. on planet Earth. That's right. And, you know, we were, my, me and my wife, we were in Spokane and we were coming out the elevator. And at that time, I think we only had five kids. Uh-huh. And we were coming out the elevator. It, somebody treated us like we were a, a clown car. Yeah. <laughs> People coming out. One person came out. They tried to come in. Another person came out. They tried to give in. And they were like, oh, my goodness, how many of you are there? And I remember laughing. I was like, I don't know, but I wouldn't mind a couple more. Yeah. Right. And my wife kind of was offended, but she started laughing, too, because I was laughing. And she's like, don't worry. My kids will take care of you when you get old. <laughs> that's right. But that was the, that's, that's right. the reality of it. You know, right. we, we were talking about Bars. me and my wife were talking about this yesterday. It's like we haven't calculated the value of human life to think, oh, man, we got Michael Jordan. We have Serena. Williams, we have a host. I think that we make up 13%. Black people make up 13% of the population here yep, in America. That's right. And somehow make up 60 and sometimes 70% of the NBA and the yep. uh, NFL, right? right. That's, that's productive. That's come on now. And so, like, that's that's just in sports, right? Then not what yep. we do in business. So mm-hmm. could you imagine what the, where the other 20 to 25 million that we've killed right over the mm-hmm. last uh, was it 50 years, 50, 60, 50 years since Roe v. Wade? Yep. Now think about that's just the 22 million that we killed, not including if those two, if they would have had kids. Mm-hmm. So if they each one would have gotten married and had at least one yep. kid or doubled, you know. I mean, if blacks are this productive with this small of a race. Right. Imagine, imagine yeah. what kind of opportunities would That's be right. there. And if it only takes one Elon Musk, it only takes one, you know, yeah. uh, uh, Martin Luther King. It only takes yeah. one. Imagine if you how many of those have we been killing over yeah. this time? We've been losing the value and the blessing. How many black pastors? have Yeah. We killed? But and, it's, and it was crazy about yeah. this is that it's not just black. We have 60 million people over the last 60 years mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we've killed mm-hmm. over 60 million. That is insane. It's because some of those aren't even reported. You got California and yeah. New York, and, yeah. if, and what I maybe think in one other state that doesn't report their abortions. Mm-hmm. We have we have completely cut ourselves off from the the harvest that God has right. God has given us these kids, and we just killed them. Yeah. And you're saying, oh, you know what? This is you're right. Children are. I'm getting to the point where I'm like, you know what? 
I'm done with y'all. Yeah. This is your judgment. Yeah. We'll go have kids. Yeah. We'll go cultivate the world. We'll go be faithful. We're going to keep preaching on you, yeah. but you guys are insane. That's right. You're missing out on the yeah. blessing that, that is children. So Stacey Abrams is queen of the whole election fraud stuff. Uh, and Kari Lake, <laughs> who's running for governor in, in Arizona, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's been on a couple shows recently kind of um, mentioning election fraud or, or actually – the hosts keep bringing it up. Yeah. Hey, you've you've said this about election well, she's fraud. She's talked so about it. Yeah, she's she, talked and she's about talking it. about pretty openly. Well, Car- Kari Lake uh, has um, probably a kind of a hammer response, a drop down hammer response here in this next clip. I'm actually shocked you asked that question. <laughs> well, actually, answer. I don't think you get to one once in a while. <laughs> you know, I, I did a little. Actually, Anthony, Anthony, how old are you? Twenty. Are you a journalist? <laughs> no. Well, you did better research than half these people. Oh man. Um, let's talk about election deniers. Here's 150 examples of Democrats denying election results. Oh wow! Look at this. This is from. This is from uh, Joe Biden's press secretary. Reminder: Brian Kemp stole the gubernatorial election from Georgians and Stacey Abrams. Democrats saying that is that an election denier? Oh, look at this. Just heard Republican Ryan Costello said it would be difficult for Stacey Abrams to win because she lost her state bid, but yet she's still claiming she never lost. This is outright Hillary Clinton. Trump is an illegitimate president. Is she an election denier? This one says, was the 2016 election legitimate? It now definitely is a question worth asking. That's the Los Angeles Times. Uh So it's okay for Democrats to question elections, but it's not okay for Republicans. It's a crock of BS. Every one of you knows it. We have our freedom of speech, and we're not going to relinquish it to a bunch of fake news propagandists. If you want a copy of these, I'm sure that Anthony would help you get a copy and help you learn how to be journalists. Look it up. It's been happening for a long time. Since 2000, people have questioned the legitimacy of our elections. And all we're asking is that in the future, we don't have that have to happen anymore. When I'm governor, excuse me, when I'm governor, we're going to make sure we have honest elections. We want the Democrats, the independents, and the Republicans to all know that their vote counted. We want fair, honest, and transparent elections. And we're going to deliver that for the people. But just remember, guys. This is one page after Hillary Clinton says George W. Bush was selected president, not elected. So let's start. (laughs) If you're going to start throwing around terms like election denier, let's remember who the other election deniers were. Hillary Clinton and all the Democrats. Next question. I'm sorry. I I just have to say, first of all, it's kind of like that that was a mic drop. She's she's she did a great job there. But every time she goes somewhere or is in an event, is it just me, or is her lighting perfect? I think it's staged. I think I think all her responses. No. There's a number of videos like this where she's getting a question asked, and she kind of brings a mic drop comment or moment. Um, I, she can't. I you think don't think she's that good? I think that. I wait, think wait. All so you think that this was staged? I think she. Yeah, I think this is staged. Yeah. Look, she's got all brothers from another mother back there. Hold up her yeah, Black voices uh-huh, for Kurt. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, that's, all back there. And she's got the camera. And you notice when she started reading the papers, the camera zoomed in. It they could be, in a little it more. It could be her camera. That was, look, look. Come, come on. They could be there and be like, you know what? Come you know on. you're going to get this question because yep. they always hit you with this question. Yep. So why don't you be ready for it? Maybe. That is not stage. Maybe. Maybe. Although I will say this. I don't know how the lighting is always perfect wherever she is. Yeah. doesn't matter where she goes. Her lighting yeah. is perfect. And I'm like, man, 
She, yeah. her lighting, she got that makeup and lighting going yeah, hand well, in hand right that's there. That's probably because she got some homosexuals doing the makeup. I'm just gonna say that right now. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. So KJP, um, uh, you know, you know KJP, Kareem Jean Pierre, Jean Pierre, you know Obama's communications director. Um, Obama's. I mean, at this point, can can I just stick with that? And I don't need to change <laughs> no, at this point. He probably I? is the one pulling yeah, Joe's strings at the end of the day. At this point, uh, well, she is asked about um, constantly being asked about Big Oil, but I, I, I appreciate Fox's approach. What is it? What's his name? Ducey. Uh, Ducey. Ducey. Yeah. I appreciate his approach here with KJP. So you're asking oil companies to further lower gas prices. What makes you think that they are going to listen to an administration that is ultimately trying to put them out of business? How, how is the administration trying to put them out of business? <laughs> well, they produce fossil fuels, and this president says he wants to end fossil fuel. So look. Um, Let me spell it out. I, you kind of asked me this question yesterday, and here's here's where, uh, where we would say U.S. oil production uh, is up and on track to reach a record high next year. We've seen that from their uh, uh, from when we see their profit margins. They are uh, they you know it's record high. And so, in fact, the United States has produced more oil in President Biden's first year than under Trump's administration's first year. But at the same time, oil companies are raking in record profits, uh, while more than 9,000 approved drilling permits remain untapped by the oil industry. There is oh, wow. no shortage of opportunity or incentive uh, for oil companies to ramp Just up. Just regulation. This is something that they can actually do. This is scary. It really I is. remember watching this clip and I was it like, really I, did she just say that? We, we've gotten to the point in this, in, in America, where the federal government is looking at your profit margins yep. and then coming to you, Gabe, and saying, you know yep. what? Um, Drop Wave, mm-hmm. your company that you guys have over there that you've been working on, yep. you guys are doing real good. And there's a lot of people You're who need to. You're making more money than you should be. Well, just, according you know, to we're our, not, we're not going to say that. We're not even going to say that <laughs> yeah. yet. We'll yeah. talk about how mm-hmm. much money we think you yeah. should be making. But here's the deal. We want you to adjust your prices so that everybody can make sure that they can have access to drop wave. And if you don't drop the prices, they're doing this already with Internet, right? This is not how business works. But this is how you ruin business because what you're doing is playing with the regular. But here's the problem is the oil companies for too long have allowed the government to regulate them. They haven't said anything. And so now the government's like, hey, we regulated you. We gave you your monopoly, which is what they did. That's right. And then now we're going to tell you how much money you can make. And we have an election on the 8th. And we need to make sure that you drop your prices for us during that time. So uh, leading up to so we can look really good to the American people. Because so so originally the government gives you the protection you want through your monopoly and through your regulations. And then the government later comes along and says, "Okay, now you're making too much money. But that's just how that's how it works. That's that's the mobster move. You know, you go to the Godfather. Godfather, I need you to do a thing for me. Uh, One day. I'm going to ask you for a favor. But of course, I would do it for you. You're like family. That's right. right? That's right. But when I tell you to change your prices, you're going to change your prices. And you're going to be like family. (laughs) And you're going to change your prices. (laughs) I'm going to break your legs. And so they don't have any recourse right right now in in oil. But this this is not just... We have to be careful. This is coming to everybody. This is not just going to be the oil industry. This is going to be every institution every, and right. every industry. Be like, well, you know what? Eventually, we're going to put a, pro, a, a, a some sort of cap on your profits, but we're also going to regulate how much you need to charge people yeah. for your product. That's that's and scary. that's Ducey's follow up question should have been that home. It's where you build your legacy, where traditions are started, seeds are planted, mills are shared, stories are told. Home is where you prepare to go out into the world. Finding the home that is perfect for your family is a big job. 
Story Real Estate in Moscow's top real estate team, and they they zoomed to the top after like three years. It was quick. They give people real estate advice all over the country, family homes, investments, land, new construction, or commercial. They know real estate. If you've thought about a move to Moscow or anywhere in the country, reach out to get connected with Story Real Estate Agent wherever you're going. They can help you, guide you home. Visit storyrealestate.com. We love those guys. Mm. The Psalm, the Psalm of the day, Psalm 141. Psalm 141, and I'll explain why it's Jesus shall reign is in the background here in a minute, okay? So bear with me. First, let me read the Psalm. Psalm 141, O Lord, I cry out to you. Make haste to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry out to you. Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity. And do not let me eat of their delicacies. Let the righteous strike me. It shall be kindness. And let him rebuke me. It shall be his excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. For still my prayers against the deeds of the wicked. Their judges are overthrown by the sides of the cliff. And they hear my words, for they are sweet. Our bones are scattered at the mouth of the grave as when one plows and wind breaks and, and breaks up the earth. As when one plows and breaks up the earth. But my eyes are upon you, O God, the Lord, and you I take refuge. Do not leave my, my soul destitute. Keep me from the snares they have laid for me and from the traps of the workers of iniquity. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I escape safely. As you read through the psalm, this psalm particularly, you need to realize and you need to quickly realize that you do not speak the way God wants you to speak to him. All right, David speaks a certain way, and we need to kind of change our tune in how we speak to God. We need to develop a psalm-like voice in our prayers to God. And in doing this, you will draw closer to God because your prayers will begin to reflect the reality of who God is, who man is in relationship to God, and the nature of the world around us. David starts out this psalm crying out to God, asking God to make haste to hear him. Twice, David in the first verse says, I am crying out to you, so please hear me. It says, give ear to my voice. It's apparent David is in great distress in this psalm. And in verse 2, David asks God to let his prayers be like incense and his lifted hands like an evening sacrifice. In verses 3 and 4, David cries out and asks God to guard his mouth and, and keep his mouth from and his heart from doing evil things. And to keep David from the even eating of the wicked's delicacies. <laughs> David then asked God to let the righteous strike him, and that is a kindness. Let the righteous strike him. That is a kindness. And that that strike from the righteous will be like oil that runs down from his head. Mm. David goes on to verse 6 telling God that his prayers are against the deeds of the wicked, and God answers that prayer by throwing those judges off the cliff. Mm. In verse 7, we get some insight into David's distress here. David describes his distress as bones on the edge of the grave and a plow bearing down towards him to grind and bury his bones into the ground. David has high caliber enemies, mm. and they are brutal enemies. Regardless of his threat, David's eyes are fixed on the Lord, he says, and he takes refuge in God who will not leave his soul destitute, even when his bones are hanging next to the grave. David ends in this psalm asking God to keep him from his enemies and to let the wicked fall into their own traps. David knows that when God acts against his enemies, David will walk away safely. Now this section, I want, I want to highlight one section for you in this, in this psalm, verse 5. 
Let the righteous strike me, and it shall be kindness, and let him rebuke me. It shall be excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. This should be one of our frequent prayers. We should be asking God to bring righteous people into our lives that rebuke us with real deep rebuke Mm. that cuts us and gets to the heart of our problems. We need righteous friends that know how to surgically rebuke us. But this kind of rebuke not only cuts us, but also heals us, right? It cuts us and it brings oil. This kind of rebuke opens the wounds of sin and heals us with the truth of oil. This kind of rebuke from the righteous is like excellent oil on our heads, and our heads should not refuse it. As Christians, whether you're 20 years old, 80 years old, wherever God has you in your walk of life, this prayer should be your prayer. And when God answers this prayer and a friend rightly speaks rebuke to you in your life, as David says, it is a kindness. Now, one last comment about Psalm about this psalm. Um, Jesus shall reign is our chosen uh, psalm, uh, uh, song for this is actually based off Psalm 72, but uh, Jesus shall reign actually takes a quote out of this psalm. Um, and, and and it comes from verse two. It says, "Let my prayer be set." You can go and play him if you want. Let my prayer oh, be set you. before you as incense, and the lifting up my hands as the evening sacrifice. It sounds familiar in Jesus' reign. God is good, and because His Son is King of the whole world, we get the confidence that our prayers are already have ascended to the Father. Our prayers have already been an evening sacrifice. Or, or um, because Jesus was the final sacrifice and sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Jesus has already accomplished this prayer. He was the incense before God. He was the evening sacrifice, and, in, in, and the quote is in morning sacrifice in, in Jesus' reign. And he suffered their re, our rebuke for our sin. And Jesus poured out his blood upon us like oil running down our heads so we can be truly cleansed from all our sin and made truly righteous. So when you pray this prayer, you are praying something that Jesus has already accomplished in his death and resurrection. Mm, Cheers to the king. There we go. Cheers to the king. I just wanted to be made known. Toby, don't tell me when to play the music. kind of knows his place unlike you <laughs> if you're single get married if you're married have you some kids and if you have kids go baptize them until tomorrow love god with all your heart soul mind and strength love your neighbor as yourself go fight laugh and feast this is cross politic east wenatchee baptist church where Dave and I plan this year's company holidays. Let's go through the list. Easter, too religious. St. Patrick's Day? Too white. Mother's Day? Way too cisgendered. All of your usual holidays have been canceled this year. But we still have Karl Marx's birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Need a real reason to party? Find a new job at redballoon.work. Home. It's where you build your legacy, where traditions are started, seeds are planted, meals are shared, and stories are told. We are Chris Natalie Carpenter, owners of Story Real Estate, and our team of top agents helps people find homes in Moscow, Idaho, and around the country. Have you thought about a move? Contact us to get connected with a top agent who shares your values and puts your family first. Or reach out to us about our Moscow Relocation Guide. Wherever you're looking to go, we can help you find home. Call us at Story Real Estate or visit us at storyrealestate.com and start building your legacy.